Episode 55, Hiring and Working with Virtual Law Clerks, my conversation with Kristen Tyler of lawclerk.legal. I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. Kristen is the co-founder and chief brand officer at lawclerk.legal, where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. She's also a partner at the law firm of Garmin Turner Gordon, where she practices in trusts and estates. She was recently named the American Bar Association's 2022 Women of Legal Tech. In addition to being a lawyer and entrepreneur, she's a proud mom and a firm believer that the practice of law can be rewarding despite its daily demands. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Just a quick shout out before we start. Are you enjoying the Page podcast? Consider giving us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast feeds. Also, consider buying us a cup of coffee or two from the link on our blog to help defray some of the production costs. Thanks. And again, enjoy. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. <laughs> Likewise. And well, good to see you and good to hear you. And <laughs> and I appreciate you doing this. And to get things started, what is your current tech setup? Well, current tech setup, I'm pretty simple. So I have been a big fan of Lenovo. I think okay. I'm on my third Lenovo yoga laptop. They're lightweight. Mm-hmm. They are powerful. They do all the things I need to do. They're all on the go with me, which is the most important thing. So that's what I've got. It goes everywhere. Um, I've got a little rinky-dink, low-gy wireless mouse that I take with me everywhere, too. I'm not very expensive or fancy because I tend to lose them about once a year, it seems like. I don't even have a monitor. I'm in my office office today. I don't have a monitor here. I'm just the laptop and the mouse because I'm constantly in and out of different offices and uh, you know meeting spaces and moving around to work. So, But I do have... Um, a desk from Ikea that can go up and down so I can yep. stand. And that's super nice. I love that. Excellent. Home office. I've got a monitor, which honestly, I don't really like. I don't know why I get headaches when I work on my big monitor. I kind of like the small laptop screen, which makes no sense at all. But huh. I, I, I'm trying to like the monitor. And then I've got the, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but the Fujitsu Scan Snap, which is yeah. such a great product. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Love it. Absolutely love um, it. And then a brother printer. I've been a big fan. I like the brother brand. I've had really good luck with their products. I've had several other, you know, home printers, but this one's held up. Gosh, I got this one when I went on maternity leave with my daughter. So that's almost eight years ago. I'm the same printer for eight years. Yeah, right. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. And we do, Um, I do photocopies on it and scans and mm -hmm. the whole deal. But yeah, eight years. So then it's an, it's an inkjet, not a laser print. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. why do you prefer uh, an inkjet over a laser printer? I don't have a, most of the printing needs at home, honestly, are mm-hmm. things I'm going to just quick sign and scan back to someone or the mm-hmm. kid stuff. If I do need a laser printer, my husband's office is like two minutes away from our house. So I can <laughs> make him go print it fancy, but I rarely have a need for something on a real nice printer. So okay, keeping cool. it simple. Yeah. Fair, I, well, that's probably the smart way to do it. What about mm-hmm. uh, cell phone, your smartphone? Well, I'm uh, I'm Apple for that. So um, I've got the iPhone. I currently have the iPhone mini. 
and mm-hmm. I'm a little sore about it. So I don't know. <laughs> so my business partner, who's a big Apple guy, huge tech guy, I think you mm-hmm. and I have talked about that in the past. He right. got the iPhone mini and he was like, this is the greatest phone ever. It's so small. And I thought, oh, well, that's good because, you know, I've got smaller hands and then it can fit in my hand and it's, you know, fine. But it, the battery dies like twice a day. Like, really? I mean, I, I'm talking on it a lot. And so um, I have this separate battery pack thing that clicks onto it and right. I'm having to like kind of constantly recharge it. So Is- um, I, I do like the size, but I would like a more powerful battery. So first chance I get to go to a different iPhone, I'll probably be making a jump. <laughs> Are you on a lease program or did you buy it outright? I don't remember. Um, I think it's, it's some sort of a program where I can every 18 months get a different phone. So, okay, cool. Yeah, you're probably at least, of, yeah, at least some sort yeah. of uh, program. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I'm 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 sorry to hear about the battery. Is it the Apple battery battery backup uh, attachment or is it the anchor? It is the anchor. Yeah. Okay. I have that one. Which I've heard really good things about. I mean, yeah. basically, oh, the great. two are the same, but the anchor is just a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. And it's- and you you know, I I've never really had a major battery issue over the years. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, because what I typically do is whenever I'm wherever I'm at, I try to charge it up, you know, where I'm at the desk or at home or, you know, if I'm on the road, I'll try to plug it in if I can. And rarely have I had a problem with the battery. I'm, but I'm surprised that right, yeah. your, yours is dying out, you know, twice. Yeah. Twice yeah. A day. Especially on, on heavy talking on the phone days, it, it goes fast. But I have to say, so I'm, I've got the little original Apple AirPods in, and right. I see you've got the cool over the ears. The cans, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about Max. those. What do you I love those? these. So I, my wife and I were in Hawaii uh, and I had meant before we left for the trip to like go to the Apple store because it's like you can buy and try for 14 days then return it oh, with okay. no questions asked. And mm-hmm. I thought I'd, you know, try it out for the trip. And if I didn't like it, I'd just return them. And I just ran out of time. But while we <laughs> we were in, uh, in Hawaii, uh, my phone at that time fell out. Of my pocket oh, no. into the ocean. Uh, only dropped less than five feet, but you know, I, I picked it up. I shook it out. Thought everything was fine. And then when I went to charge it up, some sand apparently had gone into it. Ooh. So the waterproof, but not sandproof. Right. So I had to take it over to the store, that which was thankfully just several blocks down the street. And you know, while they're filling with the things they're trying to do. I um I try I, I saw the the AirPods and I tried them on and I'm like oh my god this is incredible and then also there's the great noise canceling button yeah and so while I'm talking to you now and I pop this on if the dogs go a little nuts if there's just some background noise or if I just need to like tune everything out and want to focus on work I can just pop these on whether I'm listening to something or not and just have that nice sense of isolation but these are yeah. also great like when you're on an airplane. And you don't want to hear everyone else. And, you know, no offense, you sometimes get a screaming kid or someone who's just a little too noisy or the person yeah. uh, next to you sleeping and snoring. Just want to be able to tune out most of that stuff. And the spatial audio is really cool because like I'll be playing a podcast sometimes or listening to something and I'll have the phone like somewhere like not on me and not in front of me. And then it's like sort of behind me. And then you kind of like, well, wait, where's the voice coming from? Because you could tell... There's like a directional spatial oh, interesting. thing going on. It's like, oh, wait, oh, oh, okay. There's no one behind me. They're <laughs> just talking on the podcast. That's um, interesting. The, I think new ones are going to be coming out soon. And then, of course, the AirPod Pros, not the Max, but the Pros, you know, the in-ear, which mm-hmm. is sort of what you have. 
you know, they have noise canceling functions and then just came out with the AirPod Pro 2, I believe. You can oh. double check that at MacRumors.com yeah. because there they have a great buyer's guide about when you should and shouldn't buy, like where they are in the cycle. Oh, so that's how you know. Because I know people do know that cycle. I just don't yes. pay attention to it. That, that's where you can look for, you know, okay. when you need to get it. But, you know, one thing, one problem you might be having is you said those are the original AirPods? Um, It's my second pair. But they're, okay. I mean, I love them. And again, I like that it's small. It fits in my right. bag. It's oh, yeah. heavy. Um, But I, my, actually, you should really have my 11-year-old on your show because he's really into tech way more than me. And he was trying to convince me why he thinks he needs the air, the ones you're wearing. Um, and he was telling me about the spatial audio feature. And I was just like, what are you talking about, kid? But it does sound pretty cool from what you're saying. So go to the store or go to the Apple store and try a pair on and, and mm-hmm. you'll love them. And, you know, this is my my second pair. And I got the uh, of AirPods that you see in my hand right now. It's I got right. this like cheap case that I put them into with a little um, climbers clip. Oh, so okay. I just yeah. easily add it onto my keychain yeah. uh-huh. when I need them and then take them off when I want to, you know, power them up. And, you know, if I end up getting a new pair, because the old pair, the batteries just die. Yeah, they you know, do. The, and and so you get a couple of years out of them and then they, right. and, hold and then they need to go. Yeah. But one thing you might want to consider when you're out and about, with your iPhone, try to remember to turn off the Wi-Fi. Okay. Uh-huh. That might help reduce your uh, your battery drain and oh, increase your battery idea. life a little bit. Okay. Uh, and, and of course, you know, in certain areas, you might just want to put it in airplane mode hmm. or even turn yeah. it off. Mm-hmm. But that should, help, that should help at least a little bit. A little bit. Hey, every little bit. That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the questions. So for my first question, let me ask, post-pandemic, what are three pieces of software attorneys can use to communicate with each other better. So my job is, you know, kind of bifurcated because I am still a practicing attorney, but I've also have this legal technology company. So, you know, looking at our law firm and communicating internally, and this is really like this is post-pandemic, whatever, but Slack has become our absolute go-to for internal mm-hmm. communications. You can make different channels based on your practice group team on different cases, who's on the, the case, of course, direct messaging, we've got our, you know, partner Slack channel, uh, the, the channel with our administrative team who's running finances and HR and things like that. So it's just become a great way to, um, you know, streamline internal communications. And I just, I love it. I, we had, we had tried Slack about two years before the pandemic. And it was a flop. Uh, people were like, why do we need this? And we'll just email and whatever. And then when the pandemic came and like this onslaught of email went to like a whole new level, but that's when we were like, we really need to move internal stuff to Slack to make sure we're seeing those messages. And then it cuts down your email box too. So that's, I mean, I'm sure everyone who listens to your show already knows that. Uh, but another really cool feature on that, if you're, you know, like if you're, you know, at a smaller firm and you're trying to kind of manage some of those HR type things yourself, you know, I don't know All if right. you do this, but you can schedule messages on Slack for like birthdays and greetings and milestones oh, so that okay. they go out automatically. So you don't miss your paralegal's birthday and they get the little happy birthday in Slack and, you know, the whole team can chime in and then you look great because you remembered, but you can schedule those things. In well, Slack well, wait, you may not want to share that one out too loud because if your paralegal and staff hear that, they may go, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Well, this no, she a, actually this she is, taught me how to do R. it. So. Yeah, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> I only have to remember to do it on hers. She does it for everyone else. But uh, yeah, so 
And okay. so, but, but let, let's kind of feed off that answer for just a second, if I may, because yeah. what I'm doing is while I'm talking to you, I'm looking at my monitor on my right and I'm looking at my Slack program and I've mm-hmm. got one for the office. I've got one for the podcast and I've got one with my accountant and I have one with the American Legal Technology Awards uh, part- uh, participants, good. which I That's believe awesome. you, you were there. I was there. Yeah. I attended the first in-person award ceremony. So you should have been able, you should have gotten an invite to join. So I was was looking for you. Oh, oh, I did. Is that what the email from Tom was? Yes. Yes. So I saw it when I was on the plane yesterday and I didn't know if it was like a web portal or what. So I didn't click it yet. So, oh, great. Okay. Yeah. So you can join. And I think there's at least 30 plus people. I kind of lost count, Mm -hmm. but kind of what I was getting at and feeding off of your answer is that you can have a Slack channel for the office. You can have a Slack channel for projects. You can have a Slack channel for groups. Yeah. Yep. You can even do have a Slack channel for friends and family if you want it. Yeah, you can. You can. Um, yeah, I've got, looks like I've got six of them going right now. So I'll soon have seven with the American Legal Technology Awards. But yeah, I just think it's a great feature that if you've resisted it for whatever reason, give it another look because it's just cut back on email so much. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you were talking about, you know, about Slack and one of your your tips about making sure you remember and have certain automation. What are your two other favorite automations on Slack? Um, well, I don't know if they're automations, but honestly, one of the or things tricks. I use the most is mm-hmm. my direct message to myself channel. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I send myself quick reminders or notes or okay. I have, let's see, I have five things pinned to my own channel, like links. Okay. That I need to get to kind of regularly that sometimes I need to get to them from my phone. Sometimes I need to get to them from my iPad. I do also have an iPad that I use for a variety of things um, or sometimes from the computer. And so I, anytime I have one of those links that I know I'm going to need to go back and be able to share quickly or reference on whatever device I'm on, I just pin it to my own direct message channel and then I have it ready to go. So that's been a good one for me. Okay. Um, and then that's, that's two. So three. Mm-hmm. The huddle. We use the huddle yes. a lot. Yeah. Um. That. So what that is, it's like a when you're in Slack, you can either do it just by audio or audio and video, mm-hmm. rather than having to call someone's personal cell phone or schedule a Zoom. You can just quick jump on. Yeah. And you can even do a screen share if I'm mm-hmm. trying to explain something to a team member and show them what I need them to work on. Um. That's another great built-in feature there that just it, we've really embraced and started to use a lot more in the last two years. So I uh, love the huddle feature. All right. So we we covered Slack and that was your first answer to the first question. So what are two other answers? What other two pieces of software or hardware for that matter that attorneys can use to communicate with each other better? Yeah. So communicating better. Um, Another advice I would have is I think, and this is an old school one, but Mm -hmm. pick up the phone. I, you know, I am still handling cases for clients and I have a Mm -hmm. couple of matters that are a little touchy. We're not full-blown litigation, but you know, mm-hmm. there's some things that are contentious. And honestly, when I have those, I typically will, I, I'm in a small legal market. So I have everybody's cell phone number. I, I'll text them like, Hey, are you free in the next hour? Can we talk? We just get on the phone and talk things through. I think a lot of people have gotten out of the habit of just making a phone call and relying much more on email to communicate things, even when they're better resolved by phone. So I'm going to go with old school and just pick up the phone and make those calls. Even if they're uncomfortable, you're going to get a much better resolution than email. Um, It's a lot easier to be nasty 
to say no to be difficult by email, but when you're actually talking to another human, uh, you can work together a lot better. <laughs> well, sometimes that depends on the person too, but yeah. we, 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 we won't go there. And, yeah. and then, and then three, three. So number three, I was going to say, um, I think that we're all definitely the victims of communication overload. So I want to encourage people to take advantage of the tools that are out there to help you better manage when, when you want to communicate. So for example, I have a somewhat of a bad habit of sometimes I get into a groove late at night and I will work really late and I mm. don't want to email people because um, we have people in different time zones and I never know if they have their notifications silenced or not. Right. So I do a lot of uh, delay send features. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, do not deliver until 8 a.m. tomorrow, even though it's yep. 2, 2 a.m. <laughs> tomorrow. Um, and then also I've noticed more and more either by text message or by Slack that it will say like, you know, you send a message and it says, well, the person has their notifications paused. Do you want to go ahead and send that now? Kind of like force them to see it or right. like, or not. And I think that's a great way. I think a lot of people are building some better boundaries for their own communication availability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was some great data that came out in that Clio Legal Trends report. If you saw that, that came out a few weeks ago about how much and which days attorneys are communicating on cases. And so I think if you are struggling with that, you could go ahead and turn on some of those features at certain times. You can program them to say, hey, mm-hmm. don't deliver notifications from text or email or Slack or whatever right. after this time, you know, between this time period to give yourself a break and help you unplug. Um, and if you have team members working for you that are feeling burnout or struggling with that, you could suggest to them, hey, have you tried doing these things? You can do that. You are allowed to turn off your notifications at whatever time um, and wait to, to pick up the work the next day. Now, obviously, if you're in trial or things are happening fast, you can't do that. But um, I think taking advantage of turning the tech off can also help us better communicate and not burn us all out. It was funny. I was having a conversation with my clerk yesterday, our, our, our weekly meeting, and just talking to him, I was like, you know, I, I think you need to take a break. You know, yeah. not angry or anything with you. You're doing a great job, but you just, you seem to be a little, a little stretched at this moment. And it happens to everyone. We're cool. Go take a break. When you're ready, we'll we'll talk either later today or, or probably tomorrow, which is fine. You know, we're in a good state. We're in a good uh, good state. And you know, I think the thing is, people just forget to sometimes just walk away and just take a break for themselves, just a mental health break, even if it's just for 15 minutes, or if they can incorporate maybe you know going to the gym or going to the walk for a walk or yeah. just to get away from everything. And trust me, I have that problem. And I think many attorneys do too, because it's all about the billable hour and getting the work done and making sure you're on top of your deadlines. And then you got to worry about everyone else. So I hear you. And it, yeah. it's it's going to be an ongoing problem, I think, especially especially as technology gets better and we're asked to do more. And also because I think because of COVID itself, people are beginning to work more from home, which is which good or bad. But when you're at home, you feel like you got to get more done or you, get, yeah. you have to work at odd times sometimes because, you know, oh, uh, I need to do my laundry. Oh, the dishes need to be done. Oh, um, right. you know, there's family issues going on. But anyway, so let's move into question number two. Okay. Pardon the interruption. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Consider sharing this show with others. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your download feeds. If you're listening directly from our blog, consider buying us a cup of coffee or two from the link on our blog to help defray some of the production costs. Thanks again. 
and enjoy. What are your three favorite pieces of software or hardware you suggest to ensure secure communications between attorneys and their law clerks? Well, that's great. So one of my favorites is um, another company that's also based here in Las Vegas, Nevada, called Axel, A-X-E-L, axel.org. And they have a product called their Secure Fetch. And it's a really cool, ultra secure file sharing tool. If you're, are you familiar with it or no? No, I'm, um, I'm, I'm yeah. taking a note of it right now. Yeah. Okay. So the way we've been using it is at, um, so with my legal tech startup, lawclerk.legal, we mm-hmm. um, at times need to gather information from our freelance lawyers to pay them by direct deposit. So okay. they have to give us their bank account routing, some other data to do that. To date, the the most secure way we've been able to find that is either to have them call us. We don't want them to email that, um, or we send them this secure fetch link. So it sends this link with the mm-hmm. request for these key pieces of data, and when they send it back, rather than uh, Axel sending that file right to us, with the way they described it to me that made sense was they basically take this piece of data and you know break it up into a whole bunch of different tiny pieces, and they send part of the pieces to one server and bounce it off of that and part to another, they get bounced all over the world rather than all together. And then they come back together into your um, Axel dashboard. And so um, even if part of the message got, um, you know, uh, was found by a hacker, it, it is encrypted and it's jumbled and it's only a small part of the full piece of data. So they're not going to get the full account number or whatever. Anyways, mm-hmm. I could see so many uses for this secure fetch feature for mm-hmm really high stakes litigation with ultra sensitive data that needs to be shared between attorneys and clients or between co-counsel or whoever. I thought it was a cool feature. And I probably did a terrible job of explaining it, but that's my real simple, basic way that I hope makes sense over a podcast. No, I I think you did a pretty good job. I I guess my question is, and I'm asking this not to pick on your answer, Mm -hmm. why would I not want to use like an encrypted email or a fax or, and of course this fax would be obviously for smaller documents, like someone's W2. Right. Right. kind of thing. Um, and I can see for the larger files or even a Dropbox links. Yeah, I, I guess I am not, and maybe I just don't know, but I'm not aware of Dropbox or some of these other tools that have this scramble feature where they're okay. breaking the, the data up into smaller subsets and shooting it all over the world before it comes back together into one piece of data, uh, which okay. is why I thought was pretty cool. We're very, very, you know, we lose sleep and we are very nervous about protecting the data privacy of our the attorneys using our site Mm-hmm. Social security numbers, banking information. Um, we don't retain any of that information once we have put it where it needs to be. So once we get that into our, you know, banking system, it's gone. It's gone forever. We destroy it. We don't want to keep it. So we're very sensitive about that. Excellent. Well, I, I'm I'm sure your your clients and future customers are hopefully they appreciate that paranoia. <laughs> are are really happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Check out Axel. Um well that's one. Two more. Sure. Related to um, data security, you know, we get asked about that a lot with Law Clerk of how secure is our online portal and the sharing of communications there. Um, so I always like to highlight the fact that we've we've really taken extra steps to build as secure of a, a network as we can. So the entire site was a custom build and the data goes through Amazon Web Services, just like mm-hmm. NASA's data and countless other companies. So we've really invested in the highest level of um, security and encryption. Our document li- library is all encrypted. Um, any communications that go through the portal are completely walled off and blocked off. Uh, the only people that are able to see them are the hiring attorney and the freelance attorney. Uh, our team is not able to see anything. Sometimes if we have someone say, oh, you know, 
that project wasn't late because the attorney told me, you know, through the system that I could turn it in two days later. Um, well, we can't see that. So, you know, we, we deal with issues like that where they're like, you know, they told me it was okay. And why are they mad now? Um, but yeah, we're very walled <laughs> off from seeing the actual work happening through our site, which is something I like to highlight. Well, let's pause before you give your third answer uh, to the second question. And why don't you tell everyone what Lockhart.legal is about so they have a better understanding yeah. of why you have certain security needs versus <laughs> others and how they can relate and maybe even want to use your product. Sure. So what we do real quick is we, um, our, our website is lockwork.legal and we help busy attorneys get more work done. Um, we are a service that helps match busy attorneys who need to hire help from freelance lawyers on an as needed basis. Um, they can hire other freelance lawyers through our site to do work just on a project basis, a few things here and there, one at a time. Um, and then we also have a subscription program for those attorneys who are growing their firms, but mm-hmm. don't really want to hire and uh, just, you know, want a limited amount of a part-time associate. Um, and so that's why all the communications go through our, our online portal. And since it's an attorney to attorney service, we are very mindful of confidentiality and security and making sure those communications are protected. I, I wish you had something like this uh, when I got out of law school. <laughs> we have a lot of people that say that. Or we- I meet a lot of judges that say, man, I wish you would have had this when I was in private practice. So, yeah. uh, Which it basically goes to both ends, mm-hmm. you know, employees, employers. Uh, and yeah, just uh, finding that first job just took time. Yeah. Just the way the market yeah. was for me 20 years ago, but we won't go there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what is your third suggestion? Sure. Um, so... Security for communications between attorney clients or attorney to attorney. Another thing I would say is really, um, you know, hackers are getting smarter mm-hmm. and we need to just rely on our common sense. That's one thing that most attorneys have is a good degree of common sense. You know, if, if a communication seems off, take the three seconds to click on the actual email address, you know, the, right. uh, yeah. the highlighted hyperlink. To see who it is. You know, I've heard of cases where a hacker has gotten into a client's email. They, you know, maybe the last name is, um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, the person's like, last name is Gray, G R A Y, but they turn it to G R E Y, you know, or yep. instead of Gray, they put Gray's. Um, and they will disguise the fact that the system has now been hacked and it looks very similar, but mm-hmm. those, those mm-hmm. itty bitty nuances. Can mm-hmm. tip you off, and I've I've heard of a lot of people that you know maybe a communication the tone seemed off. They click on that, they see okay that seems like an odd um, email address. They'll call the client and get verbal confirmation that yeah no there's a problem. So um, I'm hearing more and more of, of people averting problems or detecting them sooner just through good old common sense and taking a second to look at who's sending you this and who are you sending it back to and, and double checking the address. I think you and I had talked off mic a couple of days ago, or I think it was last week about, a, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago and the attorney there uh, had an employee, still has the employee who used her work email for her Amazon account and her something got hacked and she, I'm sorry, she got an email saying, Hey, you just bought this $10,000 thing off of Amazon. And she's like, well, what the heck? And she clicked on yeah. it and then they got access to her account. And they got access to the law firm, and it really just cluster fudged the whole office so much so that the attorney had, a, you know, I, I forgot if he had cyber insurance or not, 
but he had to contact so. the bar, all the clients, uh, double check with the courts because they were basically ransoming his, you know, his office. And, you know, he contacts the FBI and the authorities like he's supposed to like, don't pay it because you won't get it and just encourages them to do more. Right. So right. It, might be a good reminder. Tell your employees not to use their work email for shopping. I know I keep a separate email address just for online shopping so that anything gets trouble. It's like, you know, like I have like the shopping email, the like personal life managing my kids email, the work email. <laughs> um, just really keep them bifurcated. That, that is excellent idea. Separate emails like that. That is an excellent yeah. idea. Unfortunately, people, myself possibly included, I won't name names, uh, get a little lazy, uh, yeah. you know, because there's just so much going on. Yeah. And so if I may ask, what are your thoughts about cyber insurance? Worth every penny. I think it's it's just something that any business owner needs to have these days. We carry it both for our law firm and for law clerk. Mm-hmm. It gives you an added bit of peace of mind, but it's one of those things. It's just kind of like a necessary evil, the cost of doing business that you hope you never need. You hope you don't have that problem, but if you do, you're going to be really happy you have it. Do you know anyone who's had it and used it and what the, how the process was overall? Because it just seems like with like bar insurance, they do everything they can, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. to get out of, you know, coughing up cash when someone, one of their clients may have some issue. Yeah. Um, I don't know that or have firsthand experience with that, but um, I do have a friend who is in that industry. If you ever wanted an introduction to have a conversation. Um, I would love to. And I hope okay. after our show mm-hmm. that yeah. you would kindly send me that information. I would love to reach out to your friend. Yeah. Have them on the show and learn more. Yeah. So for our last question, Kristen, looking to the future, what are three areas of technology Legal suggests attorneys be mindful of, of their practice? Sure. Well, first and foremost, you know, at Law Clerk, we're always looking at and talking about the business of law. And right mm-hmm. now, something is challenging lawyers hasn't challenged us for a long time, and that's inflation. Um, for the last 20 years, lawyers' earnings have outpaced inflation. And just this year is the first time inflation has beat lawyers' earnings and probably everyone else's too, um, with record high. And so I think that's really making a lot of lawyers look at their business model um, reevaluate expenses and overhead and look for ways to uh, cut some expenses by using technology. And there's, I mean, thankfully, there's so many options out there. You know that better than anyone. But I think if you can find ways to trim uh, any overhead or save time, things like online scheduling tools, that can mm-hmm. save you oh, yeah. a lot of time over the course of a week or a month of going back and forth, trying to schedule meetings, or even to ha- be able to give that scheduler tool to uh, a virtual receptionist or whoever you're working with. Um, intake portals, again, a big time saver can actually help you get more accurate data and information from your clients as well. That's another one. But there's, you know, I think uh, we all need to be aware of this problem of inflation that's not going to go away anytime soon and be smart about running our businesses and still, you know, uh, protecting our paychecks and our revenue. And because uh, we need those money to pay our bills too. So, yeah, well, um, part of the problem is also as lawyers, uh, even as business owners, we don't have a guarantee you know, income stream. And That's sometimes right. it may be better and sometimes it may be worse. And so right. asking you from your perspective as both mm-hmm. an attorney and also a business owner, mm-hmm. do you feel that when it comes to equipment and software, is it better to do the hard upfront purchase or to space it out on a lease? Or, you know, you know, you could spend a hundred dollars now for whatever software package for the year, or you could spend 120 over 12 months? 
nine times out of 10 in those scenarios, I'm choosing the the year in advance, just pay it and get the mm-hmm. 20%, 20% savings. 17. Right. We just consolidated all of our, I didn't realize how many different paid Zoom accounts we all had. So we consolidated <laughs> that and it was like a 17% savings. Well, that was a no brainer. Cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely things like that. Looking at expenses that maybe if, if you are at a firm with multiple attorneys, see what everyone's paying and where can you all team up to get some uh, economies of scale savings. That would be a definite win. And so I got to ask then you had mentioned earlier that you're on the 18 month plan with your phone. Yeah. So why did you not buy it? Honestly, I don't even know. I feel like phones are the kind of thing I'm running in there and just not thinking. Um, I probably should reevaluate the plan from a holistic. I also Mm -hmm. know, you know, between my husband and then our son needs a phone. um, And I've got, I've got five phones on my plan. It's, it's kind of silly, but someone's always breaking a phone or. Right. So the having the insurance and the the peace of mind of knowing if the phone gets dropped in the pool, then <laughs> we're going to be able to replace it without being out another grand. That's been kind of nice. So those are the features I'm looking for there. That kind of okay, that, that that makes sense. That makes and of course you know with uh, Apple Care, yes, is fantastic. Yes, yes. So I, I choose theirs. Well, I guess sort of like the one of the reasons why I'm also asking is that you you always kind of need to make sure your computer is able to run ideally the most updated operating system, whether it's Windows or Mac, because you have security issues, features, you want to make sure that you don't have any problems. And Lord knows you don't want to give like your cyber insurance carrier an excuse right. not to, you know, not to cover you because, oh, you didn't keep up with whatever you're supposed to. Right. So two more. Okay. Um, well, I had another one in the vein of, you know, combating inflation and that's, mm-hmm. You know, we're feeling inflation, so are our clients. And, you know, I see too many lawyers discounting fees or giving clients more time to pay. And we really shouldn't be the banks for our clients. Um, you know, we enter into an engagement agreement. We agree to provide a service to invoice that they agree to pay. But in that same vein, I have been talking to more and more attorneys that with the current economic condition, they mm-hmm. have been for the first time agreeing to things like payment plans. And the great thing is, like, you, I know I think some lawyers get nervous and they think, oh, if we set up this payment plan, how are they going to remember to pay me every month? You can automate that with things like right. LawPay. Um, right. And, you know, giving payment plans, subscription, monthly fees, more flat fees. I mean, right. the overwhelming number of lawyers still are hourly. But even if you're doing hourly work, if you work out some sort of automatic payment plans for client, that's going to mm-hmm. give them a little more budget certainty and might end up getting more dollars of revenue into your firm faster than if you were trying to collect the whole bill, one big lump lump rather than maybe a, you know a twice a month payment or, or whatever they need. So you know, when just kind of really encourage lawyers not to be their clients' banks, but right. consider other alternative ways you can get paid. No, I, I agree with you about alternative ways. I, I personally, when I first started off way back when, was doing some payment plans on certain issues. And Unfortunately, there were more problems than not with suddenly the client or, or former client not paying the bill that they owe. And so I transitioned out of that because it's, you know, it's never fun for the attorney. Obviously, it's not fun for the client, but right. still the attorney needs to be paid. And there's a whole there's a whole mess that we could go into about that. But that's probably really for an episode on another podcast for another time. Yes, for another guest. Yes. Oh, sure. but but not on this podcast. This is technology issue. This is you know uh, getting your clients to pay, bar yeah. issues, uh, etc. So, all right. So that's 
answer one for question three. Two more? Yeah. Well, I think we've already talked about this one quite a bit, but again, being mindful of cybersecurity. We've we've hit mm. on that. That's kind of been weaving in and out of our, our combination, but even some basic things about if you're allowing members of your team to still work from home mm-hmm. every day or some of the days, making sure if you haven't already that they mm. are taking proactive measures to keep data secure there. You know, do they have um, a secured Wi-Fi that they're working right. off of? Do they have, um, you know, a password keeper that no one else has access to? Are they, you know, if they're going to go take take a break at lunch and go for a jog, are they powering down their machine so their roommate can't go snoop around on it? If they have paper documents around again, are those such that the a roommate or a cleaning person or whoever is right. not going to have access to data? And so just cybersecurity, both on very a complex level of making sure everyone's using two-factor authentication complex and varied passwords, VPNs when necessary, uh, but also just the more common sense stuff about making sure there's no one else in their workspace able to access sensitive data. Well, you know, one thing I didn't hear you say was a password to your computer. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Which Uh it was amazing. It's amazing that you remember like 20 years ago when we started having like, you know, our iPhones and our laptops and we would go to Starbucks wherever you know, we had used the facilities, we take, we close a laptop and take it with us because, you know, it was a one, two, three, four thousand dollar machine. And you didn't want it to suddenly get legs while you're off doing your business. Right now, you see people not even asking the neighbor, hey, behind you or in front of you, like, hey, do you mind just keeping on this for a second? A stranger for that matter. They'll just, you know, sometimes leave it open not even log out and then, you know, go off and do whatever they're going to go do, which I just think is nuts. Yeah. Um, that's, that's living on the edge right there. That's, well, that's crazy, but. but, but I always tell my, my clerks who typically work offsite, you know, have a password to your computer, make sure that if you're using public Wi-Fi, that you're using a VPN and that your, your home Wi-Fi is secure, which, you know, sort of like the, the basics. Right. right, Which are basics. And probably for Mm -hmm. most people that listen to your show are basics, Mm -hmm. but they might not be basics for new team members. So even to make sure and include that on your checklist when you're onboarding, have the conversation and just save yourself, hopefully any headache that could come of it. So no, I no, I agree. And again, the cyber insurance people, I'm sure have a checklist that they want you to follow to make sure sure that you're securing stuff so that, you know, so that they don't have an excuse not to help you because you did something that you were supposed to do per the right. terms of the insurance uh, policy. Right, right. So, okay, but last thing, let's see, yes. you want my number three of yes, ways of that we can be mindful of using technology to better our practices. So, um, you know, the, the last thing I want to encourage people is, especially with this audience, if you have embraced technology and you're mm-hmm. using it to make your life better, to make your client's lives better, tell people about it. I think a lot of people have all these cool tools and features they're using, but they don't really market that. And I think that you can really differentiate yourself and your service if you do little things like on your website, you could say, hey, we offer this client portal and we offer, we secure your data by doing all these things. And we offer a variety of communication methods or payment methods and, you know, highlight those things in your website, in your social media marketing. Like don't, I mean, maybe... You think that clients don't care about that, but there are more and more savvy, sophisticated clients that that's going to be something really different if they see that in your website or your marketing, that that might be like, oh, I really want to work with that person. They are on it, you know? So 
don't hold back. Share the the good news of what you're doing and tell people about it. Well, you know, it's sort of how the podcast and blog started is I was just constantly, you know, kind of offering to say, hey, you know, to other attorneys, hey, you know, how come you don't have a second monitor your computer? Are you using are you using a VPN? And like all these other things. And then I get in these long conversations. I had business lunch uh, with someone that I'm helping out in a case. And we, we met in person for the first time because I was traveling for business. And we talked about business for like 10 minutes. And then we ended up spending an hour of me explaining to him like, okay, this is why you should get a Mac for the practice. And these are some of the benefits. And like all of these, I mean, I could like give a long list that I just naturally spout off and you know he's like oh my god this, this is all fantastic he's and he's like, i gotta like, write this all down yeah, yeah. And, and i'm yeah. like you can contact me that's like my wife's like you know you do that all the time you spend hours doing this a day and then like you know you're not getting anything from it well i'm getting the joy of sharing my knowledge but also now i'm doing it on a larger band uh excuse me a larger bandwidth on the podcast and the blog so that uh, hopefully something may come out one day but in the meantime for sure. I get the pleasure of speaking with people like you, Kristen, and I really do appreciate your time. That being said, where can people find you? Sure. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kristen Tyler, um, LinkedIn, of course, Instagram, all the places. Um, if ever you want to reach me by email, good old fashioned email, it's ktyler at lockbook.legal. And you can, of course, learn more about the work we're doing with lawyers and the different um, cost saving and smart working solutions we offer attorneys at lawcourt.legal. Excellent. I appreciate you being on and thanks again. Thank you. So glad to have this conversation. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at michaeldj at the TechSavvyLawyer.page. Have a great day and happy luring.